Max Verstappen has set the record of most consecutive race wins at 10 at the home race of the Tifosi. And I'm joined here by my two favorite F1 fanatics from Montreal to discuss it during this week's episode of Forecast F1. Sam, Ajit, let's get into it. Hi. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. It was great seeing the Ferraris back on podium. Ah, uh, yes. At least one of them. I mean, <laughs> good enough. Yes, I think I think it's fitting to have you on, Ajit, this weekend, considering we always talk about your love for Ferrari, and uh, it was at the Temple of Speed in Monza, and seeing a uh, Ferrari driver on the podium is definitely must be must be exciting for you to watch this weekend. So, yes, it definitely has. But before we dive into it, please don't forget to follow and rate us on Spotify. Much appreciated. Exactly. No matter which platform you're on, go and find it, rate us, follow us, and yeah, uh, that will really help us. Join us with the chaos. So before we get started, maybe we talk a little bit about the track. I think uh, Monza deserves an introduction. Sam? I think it certainly does. Uh, Monza is also titled the Temple of Speed. The reason being is it is the fastest track in F1. Uh, Typically, the top speeds are around 350 kilometers. That also means that the drivers themselves are full throttle roughly about 80% of the time on this track. So pretty exciting. Uh, as we know, this also is uh, Monza is rich in heritage and it has two DRS zones on the track itself. And this weekend, I think there was over 304,000 people in attendance. So very big crowd. I think one other thing that I will mention as well when it comes to the track is the setups for the cars going into this weekend are going to be or are typically based around low drag uh, because this track has a lot of that. Okay, so when it comes to this weekend and the upgrades with the cars, they were primarily track specific. And the two teams that had the most uh, adjustments going into this weekend were McLaren and AlphaTauri. When it came to AlphaTauri, I don't know if either of you had noticed this, but one of the things that they had added on was an adjustment to their beam wing. And to me, it looked like it looked like the beam wing was actually pretty much non-existent, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say for McLaren, I mean, previously and throughout this season, they have struggled uh, with drag, but with the significant changes that they applied this weekend for the track, they had their front wing, their front corner, they had rear wing elements and the rear corner in terms of um, adjustments. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty interesting about what you mentioned with the upgrades because even though there were a lot of track-specific upgrades, I think you could see that some of them worked and some didn't. And as much as the McLarens did not entirely have a rough race, it wasn't that great a race on their end either. So... You know, as usual with some teams, the low downforce upgrades on the rear wings and the beam wings were somewhat a hit or miss. Uh, with Alpha Tauri, unfortunately, we could not see as much of um, Yuki, but I think Liam Lawson did fairly well. So, you know, hits and misses as usual. Fair. Well, it's a, it's 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 true that actually the Alpha Tauris did uh, surprisingly well in qualifying, at least. I personally didn't expect them to do that well on a high-speed track. So them qualifying, uh, both making it into Q2, and even doing quite well 
in Q2. I, I, it was surprising, um, to say the least. Um, but uh, I also don't want to skip the free practice sessions. I think they were not very exhilarating on one hand. On the other hand, I think it was nice to see that um, uh, actually Ferrari from the first moment onward uh, was was up there and was um, especially Carlos started um, with topping that session in uh, the FP2 session on Friday and also topping the FP3 session on Saturday. Um, they were pretty much dialed in from the start and that made it exciting. I guess that got uh, everybody there at the track very excited too. Um, what uh, what what were your thoughts on um, on the practice sessions, Ajit? Yeah, I mean, I found it pretty interesting that uh, I believe we had Alonso who came up and said that this weekend was going to benefit Ferrari and uh, Williams. And initially, I was pretty skeptical about it. But you know me, I somehow or other always fall into that trap of end up having way too much hope. And I guess it ended up paying off this weekend. Um looking at the times that were put on the timesheet, there were some really, really good good laps being done. And I wouldn't say it was just Carlos or Max or even uh, Charles, but I think Alex Elbon needs, needs a shout for this weekend because he put in some stellar times throughout free practice. He was always among the top throughout the entire sessions. So I think like throughout free practices, he deserves a shout. Yes, it was definitely, uh, I mean, Williams themselves have been riding this momentum over the last several weekends and coming off of the success of the Dutch Grand Prix and including the fact that the team itself has been really strong during qualifying and uh, they have a track that's specifically catered to top speeds. Their car itself, we've seen, has been incredibly successful in that area. I was really exciting. I was really excited to see the performance of the Williams, and of course, Anton and I were talking about this last week on the podcast. How we were just hoping that we would see maybe Albon touch the podium. So, I think that's coming. Like that, that is genuinely knocking on the door. I don't think that's far off. Um, you know, if he gets a good qualifying lap in Singapore, and if he starts there. He may be on a shout for a podium over there. Like, you know, we may never know, especially circuits where it's tough for overtakes to happen. It's possible. Um, he has been doing really, really well um, in terms of pushing his car and drawing as much speed as he can out of it. Um, if I can, I just actually wanted to also give a shout to George Russell, who seemed to have a really good performance throughout the entire practice sessions. He seemed to be fitting well with the setup of the car while Hamilton took a while to get adjusted to it. Uh, throughout all three sessions, he wasn't up to the pace of the front three, but he was in and around that top five, top six region throughout that entire uh, session. And I think he he's finding his footing in the Mercedes. And, you know... Maybe a George Russell win soon. Not this year. <laughs> we don't know if that's going to happen, but... Well, what we he, do... He looks... Oh, I was just going to say what we do know is uh, at the beginning of this weekend, uh, both Hamilton and Russell are signed on to 2025 with Mercedes. So actually, let me, yeah. let me ask you both what your thoughts are on that. Not, I, I would say specifically to Hamilton signing on for another two years with Mercedes. Do we believe that there is potential for him to possibly snag another world title? 
Anton? Well, I mean, at this point, it's it's hard to see where that is going to, you know, with new regulation changes after 2025, I could see it coming. Uh, but up until that point, it's going to be it's 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 going to be hard. Um, they're going to, I mean, Mercedes, um, yeah, they don't have a bad season, but uh, they're not exactly fighting for wins either, let alone championships. So um, I'd love to see it, but um, but maybe Lou is going to have to hang on a little bit longer, even than 2025, to 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 really see that. But you know, given that we see. Fernando being still excellent at the age that he's driving, why wouldn't it be possible for him to stay even until regulation changes? So, yeah, um, I'd love to see it, but it's it's hard to see it happening at this point. Um, I think uh, the first focus for Mercedes should be to uh, start winning races again. Uh, it's been a while, you know, the last race uh, that Russell won was, uh, was in Brazil, uh, end of last year. So... Um, yeah, uh, well, I guess at this point we're not seeing anybody else win, but that should be the first focus for uh, for Mercedes, I feel. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Anton. Um, I think certainly I believe a lot of us would like to see Hamilton fight for that eighth championship or at least be in contention for the eighth championship again before he retires. And I fully agree again. I don't see Tyre at 2025. He may go on longer. So it is exciting, exciting times ahead, provided we can get the cars to be more competitive with one another. We are seeing the rest of the field becoming very competitive, but as usual, with regulation chase, one team tends to pull away. So we just got to wait and see. Let's uh, look a little bit at the qualifying times of all the teams um, for the Saturday session here at Monza. So we saw during Q1... uh, Stroll making it to P20, uh, which I guess it was a bit of an unfortunate. If there's anything to say for him during the practice sessions, of course, he was not driving during that FP1 because Drogovic was in the car and then he had a issue for FP2, so didn't have any miles there either. Um, he definitely was not dialed into the car, so he uh, he ended up being P20. Um, and the other cars not making, or the other drivers not making it to Q2 were Magnussen, the two Alpines, and and Joe. Um, I think um, with the Alpines, and especially with um, with Ocon, I, I think Ocon was um, getting some screen time with uh, just slightly going over the gravel there during his uh, during one of his laps. And I don't know what happened to Gasly, but that was um, a bit of a disappointment for Alpine. Or do we think that it was something to be expected with their engine apparently not being as powerful as as the engines of um, of the Mercedes-powered cars and the Ferraris and the Red Bulls? Well, I think that, I mean, Ocon, we could see, was struggling during qualifying. And at one point, he looked like he had a brief mishap with him and Norris, uh, where they almost touched each other because they were battling for position. So maybe there was a few factors that played a part, uh, but... I don't know. This is the second time in a row that Ocon has missed Q2. And the last one, which took place in the Dutch Grand Prix, obviously, that was the first time ever this season. So maybe it's a combination of things, but maybe it's also that he's just having a rough couple of weeks. One other thing I would mention is is that this could also play a part. We saw for the second time this season the qualifying format uh, be 
specific when it came to the tires. So Q1 hards, Q2 mediums, Q3 softs, all teams had to uh, respect this. And another thing that I would say just as a little detail is that the FIA implemented a uh, lap time specific where any lap, including an in and out lap, uh, had to be no more than one minute and 41 seconds for each car on the track. And this was obviously to try to eliminate sector traffic during qualifying. But again, we could see that there were still some issues with traffic. Maybe this plays a part when it comes to Alpine. I think I, I just want to put a different, slightly different angle to it. Uh, going back about what you were talking about with upgrades and car setups for free practice. I think the Alpines and the Aston Martins were one of the teams that struggled the most with their setup this weekend. So that could have been another issue as to why it was tough for them to get beyond Q2. Um, of course, with Stroll, we had multiple issues, but it wasn't just Stroll who felt uh, found it difficult to settle in the car. Even Fernando found it difficult to settle in the car. So, you know, that's that may be another angle to look at that would be interesting because sometimes teams do don't get the setup right and it tends to affect the weekends of drivers and that just has the potential to then lead into a trickle-down effect of the drivers not feeling good or confident enough during the week so you know just a slightly different take on it it was interesting though that uh, fernando alonso during fp3 sounded quite confident saying all the others were slow and we're gonna have a surprise uh, <laughs> during qualifying <laughs> he he sounded very confident there but uh, but you're right he he had a bit of a tough time too uh, during um during qualifying and he was also one of the drivers where uh, one of his lap times was deleted we saw this with with various drivers i think uh, verstappen had one piastri had it um several different drivers yeah. had that had that issue um who I do think should be mentioned for making it into Q2 is Sargent. I think he set a um, he was he was close to being eliminated during Q1, but then he set a very good lap, ended up even seventh or eighth or so uh, during that Q1 session. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it into Q3, which would have been something. Uh, well, he did it last weekend uh, in, in, in Zandvoort, and this would have been the track to do it. Um, but already a, a not-so-bad performance from him, uh, neither from, from Lawson. We touched on it uh, just uh, briefly there in the, in the beginning of the episode. But uh, I think um, the, for the first real weekend where you're able to actually drive all the sessions in the car and then straight away getting into Q2, um, in an Alfa Tauri, which uh, let's not forget is is last in the constructor standing. So uh, I think that was a very good performance. He was very close to the time of uh, of Tsunoda. Um, and again, Hockenberg making it um, into Q2 when Magnussen doesn't. Uh, he's also again proving that he is, um, yeah, he seems very sharp um, qualifying that has. Um, Bottas as well, outperforming his uh, his uh, teammate by making it into Q2. Joe didn't, and then um, and then we got into the Q3 session, which uh, I think was very very exciting. Um, Sam, what were your um, how were you sitting on your couch watching that? <laughs> well, I would say that it was it was nonstop excitement going into Q3 because we saw. And we touched on that during practice. We saw the strength of the Ferrari coming into this weekend. And I mean, when, when you saw the two drivers literally neck and neck during Q3, it was so exciting. 
we Albon was coming on quite strong. Even Russell and Perez were were putting on some pretty solid times. But what I would say is that for me, in the very last lap, uh, to see Sainz, Leclerc, and Verstappen just vying for that pole. And what was really interesting that I took out of that last lap was in the sector in the three sectors, Leclerc was the fastest in the first sector. Verstappen was the fastest in the third sector and Sainz was the fastest in the second. So each of them were were quick and literally the difference in terms of separating them, I believe, was one tenth of a second between all three of them combined. It in was position actually four l- almost less than 900. Less than that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 0.091. Yeah, so pretty pretty close. Um, but the interesting part is is that each of them found their strengths depending on the sector that they were in. But signs obviously came out on top, securing pole, and it was really exciting. We were talking about this last weekend to go back once again, how it would be an incredible morale boost, we would believe, if Ferrari had snagged a podium uh, this weekend. So to be able to snag pole as well, and even with Leclerc coming in third, it was really great to see in the heart of um, in the heart of Monza and with the celebrations. I I thought it was it was fantastic qualifying session, and once again an exciting one right down yeah. to the last second. Yeah. literally. That I, I mean I don't know if you guys want to jump into the race yet, but let's just say that I was on the edge of my seat, and I think this is the most fun and stressed I felt watching an entire race. Weirdly enough, I get into the race yeah, no, yet. But, <laughs> I know no, how no, excited no. you are as a Ferrari fan, but yeah, we no. got to stay in, in on qualifying, qualifying first. I think just jumping back to what uh, Anton was talking about uh, with Liam Lawson, I feel for someone who had his first full weekend in an F1 car, he has adapted really, really well from Super Formula. Uh, Credit where credit's due. It's going to be exciting because it's not easy to adapt. But also at the same time, I believe that Super Formula is one of the other racing series that is most similar to F1. Uh, because there are a number of other drivers uh, on the grid, I believe, who used to drive in Super Formula and they made the transition pretty decently as well. So... I think Gasly has driven uh, Super Formula yeah, as well. It yeah, it was definitely Gasly. I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else did, but I know Gasly was definitely one of them. Um, and I think there's um, there's some time between... I think the next race is going to be in October, yes. right? So uh, so that Singapore race where if Ricardo's not fit yet, Lawson can still easily yeah. drive. Um, but he's going he's gonna to put some um, interesting uh, decision-making on, uh, on the plate of uh, Red Bull or Helmut Marko if he, if he keeps on performing like this because he, he finished 13th in Zandvoort, yeah. I think, and, and today he fin- finished 12th. So um, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, there have been a lot of drivers who have um, outperformed uh, Tsunoda on, the first, uh, on their first two races, oh. although I guess Tsunoda was uh, very, very unlucky uh, both in Zandvoort and even more so uh, today. So maybe uh, let's go into the let's go into the race. Sure. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. I I know he's literally on the edge of his seat at this point to to get into the race. He's just itching to talk about it. So let's talk quickly about that uh, DNF or DNS from Tsunoda uh, beforehand. That was um, 
that was an interesting situation where it happened to him for the second time in Monza. It happened to him as well in 2021. And um, yeah. we had to abort several starts for it because they couldn't get the car. I think the car was stuck in gear and they couldn't get it off the track. So that uh, built the tension a little bit uh, before the start of the race, didn't it? Yeah, that definitely hyped the crowd up a lot. I think it would have put a lot of things into people's minds as well. And you could see, um, I believe even the commentators were saying during the warm-up laps, uh, formation laps, sorry, you could see the mind games that were starting to happen between drivers as well. So all that would have just added to the tension of the start of it. I thought it was a little unusual. Uh, I think they had some sort of a issue when it came to um, putting the teams, <laughs> letting the teams out on the track to to take care of the cars because oh. they had the aborted they had the yeah. aborted start, but it was really they they were waiting for for quite a little bit of an extended period of time, and so you're thinking that the tire temperature, everything is is running at this point. And nobody's there to basically take care of what needs to be done. So I, I thought that was a little bit unusual. Uh, however, it didn't really seem to make too much of a difference once the lights went out. So, yeah. And then the lights did go out, and then we had a pretty exciting start of the race, didn't it? Pretty, pretty exciting first few laps. Yeah, it was honestly. I mean, I think it's one of the cleanest starts that we've seen this season. Um, despite how tight and intense it was, there were very, very minimal uh, contact. I think there was only one and that too, it was just tire to tire. Um, super clean start, but yet it was very, very intense. Uh, I think Max got off to a really good start, but the corner, for the corner, I think Carlos just placed himself really well. So, you know. Yeah, he did. And, and exactly that um, first corner, or let's say that first um, run up to the corner at Monza is actually, it, it, it does matter a lot at which, uh, at which side of the track you're starting. So I think we've seen in the past that, uh, that the, the P2 spot is actually really quite a, a difficult spot to, to start from. So even though Max had a very quick reaction time, uh, he couldn't make, make it past Carlos. But as you said, Carlos was placing his car uh, very, very uh smartly not not just in that first lap but uh, throughout the first few laps uh, i think um uh, it was a very very intense battle between the two where i think um we all knew especially during the first few laps that you know um if if he can make a gap um of more than a second before we get drs uh, it might have lasted a little bit longer but in the end in the end it didn't last as long as as i think most of us would have liked I mean, the one win that I will take from it is... It's not just one win. I'll also give credit where credit is due. It was some brilliant defending that Carlos put on show for everyone today. And the other positive is I think what at least 20% of the race was led... More than 20% of the race was led by a non-Red Bull car. Because we had... Ferrari for, I believe, the first 11 to 15. And then we had Mercedes up front for a bit as well. Yeah, so... I think Piastri was leading for a few laps as well yes. during um, when the other cars had pitted and he, he had not yeah, yet to pitted. Be, yeah. Yeah. To be specific, right. I actually had it jotted down because I thought it was a pretty important stat to make in terms of Sainz's performance this weekend. So he, he led yeah. 13 laps in total. And so yes. it was classified as the most that have been led so far this season by a non-Red Bull driver. 
So he, he definitely put on uh, quite a performance. And, and just to kind of touch base and go back to what you were saying, Anton, about defensively, and not just against um, Verstappen, I, I completely agree. I think that this his his podium was solidified more in his defense, how, how, he, how he put on in terms of his performance defensively, and really also how he maintained the tire degradation. Because that car, it was very clear that the rears were suffering, and he was really struggling with that throughout the majority of the race. So the fact that he was able to sustain the uh sustain his position be able to maintain the attacks yeah be able to maintain smart moves specifically around turn one he was you know there he definitely was playing some games there but it worked in his favor and uh and then to be able to hold off Verstappen for 13 laps it, it was an impressive race for him I think overall he deserved a podium so it was nice to see I I say we'll we'll touch on this a little bit later. His battle with Leclerc, or actually, no, I guess we can get into it. But the the Ferrari battles themselves, to me, were <laughs> that to me was the most exciting element of the race. Yeah, the most exciting overtakes, just because of the fact that uh, it, it was. For one, we always get nervous when we see two teammates battling each other because anything can happen. But at the same time, it was yeah. really thrilling because you're in Monza, you have both drivers literally down to the final lap and uh, mm -hmm. everything seemed to be defined by that turn one. So you're watching and you're just seeing when the move is going to be made. And I would say that um, it, was, it was a fantastic battle, but I found myself at the end uh, when, they, when Max crossed the finish line and, and it was determined obviously his achievements, I, I realized that I hadn't really been focusing on that part of the race for probably the last five minutes because all my attention was focused on the battle between Ferrari. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on it, Anton? I, I think there was a couple of battles that we missed up on because, yeah, while you saw Verstappen crossing the line, uh, there was the battle between Leclerc and Sainz that deserved any, every second of attention. Yeah. But then I was also looking, and and I, to be honest, I haven't really had the time to go back. But I saw on the on the standing boards on the left that the screen that uh, Bottas and Sargent were also battling mm -hmm. a lot, and then uh, later on Sargent and Piastri as well. Um, it was um, it was quite a yeah, it was <laughs> it was something uh, that we missed out on too because of um, uh, yeah, just too many things going on at the same time, which I guess is a luxury problem. So so I, I, I won't complain, but uh, there were definitely some really really good battles, and um, for the most part, indeed, very very clean. I think um, a couple of drivers had some trouble keeping it clean in that first uh, in that first chicane there because uh, we saw some drivers go off multiple times uh, i think Perez is somebody <laughs> to mention there who seemed to be having a lot of difficulty not to cut the corner there but i i've seen russell do it i think i saw hamilton do it um anyway hamilton and piastri collided uh, as well which was uh, quite an unfortunate uh, incident for piastri and lando too sorry yeah exactly piastri and lando as yeah, well yeah 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 true um, I think there were a couple of collisions, although none of them extremely 
Um, well, uh, what happened at the beginning? Because I think um, there was also a penalty for Russell, right? Um, uh, damaging or wh- what happened there? I think it was uh, something with uh, with Ocon. Yeah, he he overtook Ocon, and uh, I believe it was going into turn one, and so he had to give back the. Technically, you would be giving back track position, but he was so far ahead of Ocon at that point that it didn't make any logical sense. So he was handed the five second penalty. Right, he did it on fresh tires and then um, uh, passed a couple of other drivers as well. So it wasn't technically possible for him to give the... Well, he would have given a lot of places <laughs> yeah. back if he would have given it back to Ocon. So yeah, that that got him the penalty, you're right. And um, and Hamilton yeah. got a penalty too for that touch with uh, with Piastri. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I just wanted to mention, because uh, as you were going through the other battles that were happening on track... I think the Hamilton battles were also pretty interesting to watch because he gained quite a number of places as well. And they were, as usual, amazing racing by everyone that he was going through. The defense was top tier, but I mean, Lewis is Lewis. He finds a way somehow or other. Yeah, and it was interesting that he actually started on a different strategy than most of the other drivers. Him, Bottas, and Magnussen started on hards. Yeah. And um, it was... (laughs) Uh, Hamilton was complaining on uh, switching tires to mediums too quickly. Uh, yeah. I remember after his pit stop, after about 27 laps, he complained that it was too early to go on the mediums. But actually, the other two drivers that started on hards even even changed tires before that. So yes. Bottas drove 25 laps on the hards and, and Magnussen only 12. So... Um, uh, it was interesting that not all teams had a had a one stopper, but there were nope. a couple of, uh, of of two stops. Actually, uh, during the last uh, podcast episode, we made a quick quiz question out of it. Uh, so I'll do that again. Um, how many pit stops did we have? Oh, here we go. Oh wait, give me a second. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't count them, but you can <laughs> more or less deduct it. I think this time I can. Yeah, knowing the amount of drivers. 24. Okay, Sam. I'm going to say 22. Ajit, you're very close. It was 25 pit stops, actually. Oh. But yeah. I wonder whose one I missed up, but fair. <laughs> yeah. Anton well, loved little... that was just a yeah. warm-up. Uh, we're going oh, yeah. to do a more extensive <laughs> quiz later on. But um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, actually interesting to see that it was not just a one-stopper. Um, I think... Um, no. I don't know. I, I uh, the tire choice for Pirelli this uh, weekend was uh, to go with the three softest compounds. Um, I think Anton, like speaking of the tires, um, you know what I was actually thinking is that because a lot of these strategies have become so predictable, it would be interesting if you have different tire compounds, just to you know, again, it's. To a point where everything is just becoming so scripted that if you have, I don't know if you remember the days where we had two separate tires or even the way Pirelli initially started, right? It was at least a lot more competitive and unpredictable. But I feel like this current set of developed Pirellis are just, honestly, they are... They are really good tires, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, how does a tire compound last so long throughout races? Yeah, in some cases, uh, it would actually be nice to... Well, I I understand we're not going to see a lot of... Well, only two-stop, three-stop circuits on the calendar. I understand that some of them are going to be like one-stop strategies. 
Um, but I do, I do like it when when tires have higher degradation and and we need to see more unplanned pit stops. But then again, you can't have that at every circuit. So um, and, and yeah, yeah I, I think at this point, what Pirelli should really focus on is get that wet tire to be a little bit more competitive, so that actually agree um, with you there. <laughs> it, it feels yeah that it, that it would even make sense to use them at certain um you know wet conditions where it's just on that barrier of using intermediates and wets um, and we talked about that during last podcast with the sun for the race where you know nobody really except for uh, perhaps ocon but nobody really even considers that tire because everybody knows that when it really gets to the conditions of using full wets they're going to call off the race. So I think that should be a focal yeah. point right now for Pirelli. But uh, but I do agree. Um, it, it, it seems that we do in general go towards having tires uh, have longer lasting life during races, which is not necessarily something uh, that, that everybody likes. But anyway, um, rather than, I, I mean, I guess the tires were not going to change at all anyway. So let's talk a little bit more about, uh, about the race and let's talk a little bit about, um, about Williams. How, um, how do you consider that performance from, from Albon finishing seventh? Yeah. I, I think what was really exciting about watching Albon was the battle that he had primarily through the race with the McLarens, uh, namely mm. Lando. He had a few battles with Piastri, but that was really fantastic to see. Again, another driver that put on a great defensive performance, uh, but he was also really strong in a few of his overtakes. And, and initially in the beginning of the race, the battle that he had with Norris, where they were kind of neck and neck at one point, was really exciting to see. So I thoroughly enjoyed watching him. I think on the flip side for Sargent, it was a little bit more of a difficult race. He was handed a five-second penalty at the end. And the performance in comparison to his teammate uh, wasn't as great of a result. I think he finished uh, 13th. And, you know, to be honest, though, when you're looking at a Williams driver finishing in 13th, you would think to yourself that that's, that's fairly decent as an overall result. Yeah. But when you're comparing... He even finished 12th, because I mentioned Lawson finishing 12th right. earlier in the episode, but that, that was incorrect. It was Lawson that finished 13th two times in a row and Sargent 12th. finished 12th right behind PS3 who finished 11th yeah right because Sargent also got a penalty uh towards the end of the race which I don't I don't really uh know exactly what it was for I think it was it was for causing uh, with a collision the, yeah but with Bottas I think if I'm not mistaken but anyway we, we didn't really see much of that part of the of the fight because there was so much going on at the front of the of the track but anyway yeah uh pretty good performance from from him too um i was i was i was very sad not to see him take that point because i had actually put him on p10 in my predictions and i'd even <laughs> put a bet with somebody here to uh if he would get a point uh, he would down a, a a liter of beer uh if he would have um finished 10th so unfortunately <laughs> i didn't get to see that but uh yeah uh sergeant still needs to wait a little bit longer for that point in formula one if he gets enough time to to see it yeah. because if there is a track where where that Williams can score points, we know that it is Monza. Yeah. But here's my. Um, I was just gonna. I was gonna pose a question to both of you about this when it comes to Sargent, because my my question rests more so in his performance overall. Let's just say, let's just say that throughout the remainder of this season, he manages to finish just shy of the top ten 
for for primarily for the rest of the season okay would we look at that at the end of at the end of uh, 2023 and say collectively that he deserves his seat or that Williams wouldn't consider replacing him going into 2024 we already know that there's a lot of pressure on him so what I what I want to lead with is that that would be my question but also I think the reason why I'm asking that question is because of who his teammate is and the performance and what he's able to maximize out of that Williams car so if even though we can look at it and say that he has put on a decent solid performance would that still uh raise the question of thinking that he deserves a 2024 seat or would they be looking at somebody to maybe replace him unfortunately because they feel that they could maximize the potential out of the car that maybe he's just missing anton do you want to take this because i've got a follow-up question after i answer this well it's a hard it's a tough question to to answer because um, i don't think he's he's doing a bad job at all i think um He's doing. He's doing within what what his capabilities are. He's doing quite all right, but I do think that other drivers or other talents would be able to get just a little bit more out of that car. So the question for Williams is also because I don't know how much budget he brings in. Uh, the question for them to pose is also: um, uh, Do you want to have a driver that you know brings? money with him so you have uh you, you know you you can solve your cash flow issues more upfront towards the beginning of the season or would you rather have a driver that actually performs well so that you end up with more points because at the spot where williams is at at the constructor championship it's actually quite uh it does make quite a lot of difference if you have a driver that that collects a few points and that way you can finish higher up the standings in the construction championship and you get more money too. So, um, you know, uh, that solves your problem maybe a little bit later on in time. But I do think that um, it would be it would be a seat to consider for somebody else. You know, I don't have anything against against Sargent. I think he's actually quite a, a likable character. But um, yeah, in the end, you know, F1 is a tough sport and we we judge uh, all of these drivers based on the timing sheets and and yeah there's just a uh, i mean i do think albon is a very good driver and uh, has a lot of talent and i think it's going to be hard to find anybody that is going to beat him but at least somebody that's a little bit quicker i mean i don't know how many points albon has scored by now but it's 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 quite a bag of points and sergeant has uh, zero points so yeah um i don't know i don't want to be harsh but um i think he does need to fear for his spot. And the problem is that with the remaining amount of races, you know, that pressure is building. You know, at yeah. the beginning of the season, you say, well, you're a rookie and, you know, anything can happen. But, uh, yeah, we're counting down the races towards the end of the year and, and pressure, you know, whether he wants it or not, but it is going to build in his head. I think I more or less completely agree with uh, Anton on this front. Uh, the other thing that I will add is also... Uh, if he can consistently maintain performances close to top 10 or even getting a couple of points, then maybe he would be in for a shout for keeping his seat. But if he doesn't, I, 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 I don't see it happening. And, you know, he is a nice guy, but I, I haven't seen enough from Sergeant 
to be convinced that he will be able to to extract the best that he can out of an F1 car. And sometimes it just doesn't work out for some drivers. Like we have seen drivers who 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 are good drivers but can't make it an F1, but they go to a different racing series and they absolutely kill it over there. Right? So, you know, maybe it's one of those situations. But again, if he if he can consistently be close to the top 10, so meaning anywhere from the range of 11 to 13, or if he can even break into the points, then he will be in for a shot of a seat. But what I would like to throw back to you guys is it's actually really connected to whether or not Sajan keeps his seat or how possible it is for him to keep it. Is this what we can say is the beginning of a resurgence for Williams under James Vowles and Alex Albon? Do you guys think this is the beginning of a new era for Williams on its climb back to what we used to know them as? Well, I, I think that they've definitely seen a significant improvement over this year in comparison to last year. I mean, last year they were at the bottom of the grid and this year they're competing. You see Albon finishing in the top 10 and he's battling McLarens and and even Mercedes at this point. They're strong during qualifying. They have, they've amplified their top speed. So I definitely think that we see a lot of success coming out of them this year and, and there is a lot of hope and potential moving forward. Um, I don't know how long Albon is going to last in on Williams, to be honest, because with the performance that he's putting on, I am sure he's getting a lot of calls. <laughs> so, uh, the the question would be Williams itself. Do do we think that their trajectory is going to continue to increase? And I think that I, I think there's a lot of optimism there. And uh, will Sargent be a part of that in 2024? I think that's a big question mark that's going to rely a lot on the remainder of this season and what he does with it. Uh, but I, I definitely think that there's there's room to discuss them with a lot of hope and optimism to see that where they're going to finish this year and also what's going to continue and lies ahead uh, for them going into 2024. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There's a long, there's a still long road uh, to success for uh, for Williams. Still a long way to go, but uh, yeah, they are definitely improving a lot. Um, perhaps, um, let's say, well, the same type of improvement we've seen from McLaren just in this season, we've seen from Williams between last season and this one. So that's definitely great to see, and it does bunch the field a little bit closer together obviously if the last team is is uh, you know catching up uh, that makes the yeah that makes it all more exciting and um, yeah i mean now Albon is definitely somebody to consider uh, picking in your top 10s because he's consistently uh, getting there and and he's just a very very stable driver and i think uh, at the time of his um, period with uh, Red Bull i already felt he, he he had great talent yes he was just very unlucky at times yes and um and he's proving now what talent he really has and for that reason i'm i'm also fearful that uh, he might uh, be pulled away by other teams with more capital because yeah if you're considering another seat in your team whichever team that may be i think albon's going to be one of the first to pop up 
for any team because he would just also fit any other team i think you know um i'm not gonna mention all the teams now but i mean i could actually see him drive in any other team because he's a he's a guy that i think adapts quite easily um and um yeah well i would i would love to see williams research to the top together with albon um and it's a good question whether they would be able to do that as well if there were another driver in the team who doesn't have Albon's qualities. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell because he's probably also outperformed that car by quite a bit. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So what are your thoughts on... Uh, I think we should still talk a little bit more about the top finishers today. Um, I think we have touched upon it but i think there's still a lot more to say between um well we we did talk quite a bit about the battle at the beginning of the race between uh, verstappen and um and signs but um, there were more battles uh, we saw perez having a hard time battling both the ferraris uh, we saw the ferraris battling almost taking each other out not taking each other out though which was great to see and it was actually amazing to see that they just let them race which i feel like would have ended up being a lot of criticism on Ferrari's end if they would have collided. I think everybody would have uh, shouted things about Ferrari not being smart enough to to um, yeah to to work it out. But then again, now them not colliding, I think uh, a lot of positive emotions towards uh, towards them just letting the drivers race. Uh, Ajit, what what uh, how do you see that? Yeah, no, I think you hit it right on the head with what you said because in my mind when I was watching it with my friends today uh, throughout the entire period of those battles happening I was getting frustrated because it was really really dangerous right in my mind I'm like look be strategic about this this is Monza we're talking about get the points get on the podium don't risk it for both your drivers but on the other side of things, I was very happy and excited seeing the battle happening and unfold because it was neck and neck, absolutely neck and neck battles. And they were fully pushing each other to the limit. And what made me even more happy at the end of it was seeing that there was no love lost between both drivers. They were fully happy about like, you know, it was a great drive. They both admitted it and they said it was fun. And it was good to see that, especially, you know, over all the noise that you're hearing about what's happening in Ferrari. This this was a huge, huge thing to see, at and, least in my opinion. Yeah, and if you look at the whole weekend, I think that out of the two drivers, I think Sainz also deserved to be on the podium. Yeah. Slightly yeah, more than definitely. Leclerc. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was really on top of it during the whole weekend. And um, yeah. I think emotionally... Well, at least I was a little bit more invested in in science during this uh, race than 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 Leclerc. So yeah. it was actually a good outcome. Uh, Sam, do you agree with that? Yeah, I loved to see it. I loved every moment of it. I loved that the fact that my uh, I was chewing all my fingernails off. <laughs> I personally love to see drivers battle and ra and and I I'm not a fan. I've vocally said this many times over. I'm not a fan of team orders. I think that. In, you're you're on a track to race that is what you're there for and if you're not taking the risk then 
then what what are we doing right that's a whole element of the sport so i'm really really happy to see as as much as it could have been potentially disastrous it also shows the the faith that um Vasseur, who ultimately made that call, was putting in the drivers to be able to go neck and neck, but without without uh, completely making a disastrous weekend for them. And I also think that that adds the element of excitement, that adds that further adds the element of risk. And then when you have the whole backstory of Ferrari that you know and the struggles that they've had throughout this season and uh, two drivers that have have each faced their own personal struggles, um throughout this this season they've had ups they've had downs leclerc obviously has had more frustrating challenges as of late but having having all of that play a part in those last final laps and seeing them battle it, that's what you want to see and so i was thoroughly invested and i completely i very much enjoyed it i would say the same to you anton uh, to agree with you i would have I was hoping that Sainz was going to take it only because of the fact that I think overall as a whole this weekend, he deserved it. He's been on fire the entire weekend. It just, yeah. it seemed like this track was really working well for him. And so I was really happy to see him secure the podium, but what a finish, an absolute fantastic finish all around, I think, and uh, a very satisfying I think it was still a satisfying result for Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, again, I would love to see that. I would love to see that more often where teams truly battle each other and you see that come alive as opposed to just giving each other the space. Uh, we could have potentially seen that. Well, we did actually <laughs> see that briefly with McLaren. Didn't end so well uh, for Piastri. But, you know, there were a few moments where I, I think Lando even came on the radio and said that he was pretty close to Piastri. He could have made a move and they say, OK, you know, to give it a moment. But how much more exciting would it be if you saw teams just racing when they get on the track? They're just there to race. I understand the risk, but how much more enjoyable would it be not only for us, but for the drivers as well to be able to stick their necks out? So. So we're going to set up a race where we cut all radio contact and we just let them race. Chaos. <laughs> Ultimate chaos. Maybe not cut all contact because that, <laughs> strategically that throws out a whole other element. Pit stop. No, that works out. No, 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 that works out even better because then you go fully based on the drivers being, oh, okay, my tires are worn out. I need to go in now. Or make it one-way communication. Just drivers speak to your pit lane and that's it. Pit lane can't give any information. Yeah, because drivers. otherwise they'll just, you know, drive into the pit lane and it's, it'll be like, oh, he's there. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then everybody so is going to have Ferrari like pit stop. So, uh, yeah, that one was <laughs> not. Uh... <laughs> uh, wait, I thought actually, real quick, since we are giving a lot of props to Carlos today, the one thing I also want to mention, because I don't think we touched a lot about it, is the defense in the battle between uh, Carlos and Checo. That was also a really, really good one to watch. I agree, and um, I felt there that uh, yeah, science is just slightly more clever because uh, I don't know. I think uh, it, it Pires had a lot of difficulty overtaking him, and uh, and again, mm -hmm. science had probably already learned from his battle with Verstappen how he had to place the car in the first corner, and and, and well, not only there, but um, yeah, Pires had a lot of trouble and was complaining over the radio, where you know, in general, whoever it is, I always feel like just you know 
get the job done or focus on the j getting the job done rather than just complaining on the radio. I think it just distracts the driver. But I guess yeah. every driver is different and handles that differently. Yeah. No, I I found myself getting a bit annoyed at the radio messages that were being sent at one point because some of the complaints that were going and being sent to the pit lane just made no sense. It was pure racing. There was no shoving out anywhere. There, you get your elbows out when you're racing. That's it. There were no illegal moves whatsoever. There was no risk of contact in any way, shape or form. So why are you constantly complaining to your pit wall saying, oh, that this driver did this, this driver did that? There was plenty of space for you to move. Yeah, and uh, well, the moves I that think... were... Uh, illegal were also penalized so yeah yeah i was just gonna say i think that they, i mean sometimes they're playing they're trying to play into the stewards right they they want them to pay attention to certain things so that they're hoping even though it may be a long shot they're hoping that maybe a penalty will come that some sort of advantage they're going to take by making mention of something that they believe that they're recognizing so i think in the case of perez making that um uh, comment on the radio where he felt Russell had run him off, which it was anyone with, I think, uh, would be clear to see that that did not happen. Um, I think that was more of a move where he was hoping that something was going to, he was going to gain some sort of an advantage by by making mention of that. But I, I don't think he realized how obvious it was that that wasn't the case. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's and exactly that the was... point, because in the end, you know, regardless of your radio message, they're going to see it, yes or no. And I mean, especially, I think that's a good example of it being completely useless of drawing attention to something that obviously uh, was not even close to pushing no. somebody off the track. And then the only thing I think no. that happens is that the next time they hear Perez come on the radio, uh, they're going to consider that or they're going to probably think that all is probably again one of these um uh yeah useless messages that we don't need to look into well actually maybe the second time yeah. it is actually the case so you know stop whining uh, maybe complain when there's really something to complain about yep yep but um, but don't you know yeah don't overdo it because you're not really gaining anything with that yeah no i think uh, you you know my views on that like i i can't take it when drivers just constantly whine about things that there's nothing to whine about I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Just get your elbows out and race. Racing requires you to get your elbows out. Why are you making a big deal of things that are nothing? And it's not just this specific race that I'm talking about. It's happened throughout the years. Both of you know my views on it, so let's just leave it on that. Okay, and one last thing that I would say that we add before we move on to the scores is let's make history was made this weekend, uh, was yes. solidified for Max. And it's very, very important that, you know, through all through everything that we've touched on and the excitement of the overtakes, that we definitely recognize the fact that he has now secured 10 consecutive wins. Uh, yeah. Overall, that is record-breaking. He, he officially um, is the only driver ever in the history of Formula One to do that. And also further to that, uh, the team itself, they now have secured 15 consecutive wins as well, I believe. And that mm -hmm. is a record-breaking uh, moment also. So definitely, definitely need to make mention of that. It is, uh, I mean, Max, I've said this time and time again, I mean, what more can you say to recognize that he is in a world of like a like a an entire world of his own in terms of class right now. He is just on fire. I, I, when I saw him when I saw him secure this race, it really 
begs a question of how much more, because we still have, have quite a bit left in the season. And I think it's very clear that he's not just going to break this record, he's going to shatter it. And who is really going to become uh, somebody that can come into contention with that later on down the line? I don't know. But it's remarkable. And I really think it's important to uh, pay recognition to it. So, Yeah, well, I think what uh, would be interesting to see is whether um, he can stay out. I was expecting this Monza race to be a race where a lot of people were going to take grip penalties, which they obviously didn't. So um, I do think that that is going to happen towards then the second part of this second part of the season. And um, yeah, it might be the case that, you know, if everybody would have taken them today, then, you know, that would have kind of cancelled uh, things out. Um, if um, if Max gets unlucky and, and has some engine problems and needs to uh, you know, replace, uh, uh, or let's say he has to start from the back of the grid. I think that would be one of the only real ways to challenge um, the rest of this uh, of this series of consecutive wins, or perhaps Singapore being uh, somewhat similar to Monaco in that sense. Um, that when you are unlucky during qualifying, which we saw, for example, last year, uh, and then last year, of course, it also rained. So, you know, with these conditions, something can happen and, and Singapore is a good place for something to happen. Uh, but other than that, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to see where this is going to stop. And, um, and, and yeah, just as you were touching upon, it's not just the Verstappen series, but it's also, uh, even if he would not um, win one of the next races, then you can see that Perez, uh, without performing exceptionally well, um, does get back to finishing on the podium. Um, you know, he's 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 had a good start of the season, then he dropped back a little bit, but now he's again taking uh, third place in Hungary. He, he took second place in Belgium. He finishes second again today. So, um, yeah, even if Verstappen doesn't win one of the races, then the chances are pretty um, good in favor of Perez also taking then the win that Verstappen leaves out. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't make it very exciting but on the other hand it's like you were saying sam i think we do need to um applaud the performance because it's one thing having uh, a car that is better than the other cars but you still need to yeah you still need to work for it and and let's be honest not all races have been a slam dunk for verstappen i mean he's had a pretty uh well chaotic race uh, last time out in zonford but um he started way back uh, behind in the midfield in Miami they weren't all slam dunks although um yeah um, it's 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 tough to see uh, any of the other teams really you know you saw it um, Hamilton has taken pole position we saw Sainz taking pole position but at this point you realize that it doesn't even really matter um you know Saturdays are exciting on the one hand on the other hand they you know, even if somebody else takes ball, it brings some disappointment because you know that it doesn't even really matter that much. Yeah, no, this 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 age of engineering and what the Red Bull have produced, it is it's honestly just out of this world. As much as we can say it's tiring, as much as it can be frustrating because there's not enough competition at the top. What they have done is just absolutely insane with the car and mad, mad respect to, to the entire team behind it because I feel as much as everyone talks about Max, I don't think enough gets said about 
the engineers. I don't think enough gets said about Adrian Newey. Like, it's absolutely insane what they have done and how far they've come along. Yes, there have been cost cap breaches and whatever not, but look, <laughs> this is no simple feat of engineering. Man. This, this, this is some proper work that has gone into the car and you know i i just i hate to admit it but it is absolutely insane and it's it's probably the best car we have ever seen in f1 well i think i think the beauty of winning 15 consecutive wins is it shows that in all areas uh red bull is strong uh so yes the engineering and the car uh but you also have the uh, strategy you have the pit stop yeah, that are yes. absolute that are always on point uh you and again you have the drivers uh, perez has come back like anton said but max is i think that in some i think in a lot of cases that sometimes because of the success overall of the team as a whole we we neglect to maybe neglect is is too strong of a word but sometimes we don't pay attention to the brilliance that he has as a driver and the things that he has managed to accomplish on the track uh, that are consistent. And he's also well-timed, even in his overtake on signs today. Uh, he capitalized on it smart. at the very specific timing that was that, that he needed to. He saw that signs yeah. locked up going into turn one, and he made the move at the right time. The things that he manages to do time and time again and managing to be consistent, not just for him, but yes, for the whole team, but in all areas, is definitely a, a, a success that shows in what they have managed to accomplish this year. They truly deserve uh, the titles that they are going to obviously obtain. And like I said before, who knows what the future holds at the rest at the end of this season and how far ahead uh the the records they are going to actually have so very exciting yeah um that's that's for sure i think like what you touched on about that move with carlos i think the confidence that he has gained has just it it, it has ignited this thing in him where it's pulling out flawless performances from his driving and i think that huge credit to him like he is a very very smart driver and that lockup from carlos make no mistake that was max pushing him into a mistake that wasn't just anything else it was he knew it was coming he knew what he had to do he knew he just had to push the right buttons for and force a mistake to happen and that's what he did because he knew the power he had in his car and he also knew the strengths that the ferrari had and he just knew the right buttons to push in other people. He knew how to get in their heads. He knows how to maneuver people. You know, it's it, it's going to be an interesting time. Um, a question would be how long is he going to be able to keep it up for? And what happens when we see more competition at the front? That's what I look forward to seeing. That's what I am most intrigued about in the coming years. Because if he can manage to perform the way he has been performing now when he has multiple people coming at him constantly, I would say he is in that top five, top three conversation of all time.
All right, so I think it's that time. Let's get into the scores. Anton, let's start with how many people played this weekend? So we had 494 people playing the game this weekend, and we had a average score of 49 points. 49.0. First question for the two of you is how many people do you think predicted the podium for Stappen, Perez, Sainz? Mm, who goes first? Well, whoever feels like it. Sam? Oh, okay. You're going to put it on me. All right. I am going to say seven. I'm actually going to go higher. I'm going to say 27. You are one away from the amount of uh, correct pit stops. You're again one away this time because it was 26 people at a correct podium. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Nice. Okay. I guess, you know, people had the chance of um, watching FP1 and FP2, and we already had signs performing quite well, in, um, especially in FP2, topping that session. So I guess, you know, those that were going to go with a 1-2 for Red Bull anyway and had to pick the third on the podium, there was a decent amount of people who went with with signs, I think more than usual. Yeah. I mean, he, honestly, what an amazing birthday weekend for him, man. Agreed, agreed, yeah. So let's go and have a look at the podium of Forecast F1. We had a winner with 83.5 points this weekend. It was Raymond Osala from the Philippines. And he predicted a correct, not only a correct podium, but he also had a P4 Leclerc and he had Norris on P8. So congratulations for winning this weekend. Um, He also scored some points for Hamilton and Russell. Uh, He actually had them the wrong way around. Um, So that got him very close to even scoring a lot of more points. And half a point for Alonso. On P2, we have Anthony Mungai from Kenya with 82 points. And he too correctly predicted P1 up up until P4. And also had Hamilton on P6. Scored some points for Norris, for Russell and Albon. Um, P3, Mirka Gansijova from Slovakia with 81.8 points. So very close behind P2. Um, She had a correct P1, P2, P3, P4, P6 and also had Alonso on P9. uh, And scored some points for Norris and Russell. So those were on the podium for this weekend. Unfortunately, 83.5 points does not get you in the top 20 high scores. So nothing to mention on the top 20 high scores. But I think um, what we do need to mention is that after being on P1 for 10 races straight, uh, Tobias Jolie lost his first position. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. So um, he scored only 55 points this weekend and um, was thereby overtaken by Jesus Diaz because he finished P23 this weekend, scoring 71 points. And he's now the leader in the competition. So he has 813.1 points, which is a gap of eight and a half points now to P2, which Ooh. is Tobias. So, yeah, um, I was uh, I was talking to Tobias uh, quickly after the race because he always asked me if he's still on uh, P1. So, uh, yeah, I had to disappoint <laughs> him uh, this weekend. But uh, I do still think that uh, it's quite an accomplishment to be uh, on P1 for for ten races uh, in a row. So that was a that was a pretty um, yeah pretty pretty good series for him. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I wish him best of luck uh, trying to get back. 
He's now at 804.6 points. And we have uh, Philip Hoayek still on P3 from Lebanon. He scored 51 points this weekend and he's now at 777 and a half points. So, um, yeah, it's getting uh, it's getting exciting. Um, and, um, yeah, let, let's see uh, what, uh, what the remaining... Uh, of this season brings in terms of our league standings. Um, but um, not only should we look at the highest ranked in the league, we should also look a little bit at uh, at our own points. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Sam, what, uh, Sam, what podium did you go with uh, oh, in your predictions sure. this weekend? Uh, I went with Verstappen, Norris, and I believe Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I can hear the smile you know in your what... voice because you're about to tell, you're about to hit me with the uh, <laughs> with truly what I did as a result of that. I'm trying to bring the results up lightly, but uh, but yeah, you uh, you got 35.5 <laughs> points. Oh, that's um, cool. I hear Ajit laughing in the background, but we're going to get to his points later on. Um, <laughs> no, but. Um, yeah, that, that got you P419 out of uh, the 494 people playing. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know if you recall which position you were on at the end uh, <laughs> of uh, the Zandvoort Grand Prix, the Netherlands Grand Prix. Uh, do you remember? I, I'm pretty sure I was, I was in the 120s. Yeah, you were 122. And with this score, you've dropped 10 places. So you're at 132 right now. Well, I mean, it could have been worse, I guess. <laughs> and and leading up to that, Ajit, let's You'll see how see you did. Very soon. <laughs> You'll see worse very, very soon. Ajit, what was your podium? Charles Luis Carlos. That's right. So he actually did score those uh, 15 points for, for Carlos because you did get that right. So, um, yeah. So that's, um, yeah, I guess that's about the only real big positive news that we can mention that you got you got, <laughs> you got two sorry you got 22 points and um yep. that means you're p478 this weekend and you were classified at place 354 after the dutch grand prix you're now 364 actually um yeah I don't know how to say this, but you're the only, well, you're the lowest classified person that has played each re race weekend. Hey, man. We all knew this was coming. <laughs> we all spoke about it and we all knew this was coming from the start. So, uh, myself, I was, I was saying I was hoping that, uh, that Sainz uh, could finish on the podium. But to be honest with you, there were some internal struggles there with me because I actually predicted Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc signs. So if they would have finished the other way around, I would have had uh, the first four places correct. Uh, but they didn't. So um, yeah, uh, I only scored half points for Leclerc and Sainz. I did, however, nice. put Albon on P7. So I got all those points. Fair, fair. So that's a pretty good yeah. haul for you. Yeah, I had 65 points, which uh, made me P50 this weekend. And, nice. um, Here we go. And it actually brings me up quite a couple of places. I, I, I was at P105 after the Dutch Grand Prix, and I'm now at P85. So, uh, <laughs> so that means improving a little bit. That means Anton. that, uh, Anton, again, this weekend, you have beat me, and uh, you're a little bit ahead of me. So I'm going to have to really go back to the drawing board and see about... You know what the irony of all of this is? The one week 
if I decide to do this, the one week I decide to put Max as P1 will be the week that he doesn't finish as P1 and everyone else just ends up not scoring points because they put Max as P1. Well, the thing is that even I'm always, because you're switching between, uh, you know, you're usually putting Leclerc on P1, but then there was one weekend where you put Hamilton on, on P1. I don't yeah. remember which. I've that had was actually Lewis, the last one, right? No, no, no. I've had Lewis as P1. I've had Lando at P1. I've had Oscar at P1. I've had Charles at P1. These are the four drivers I've had at P1. Okay, so who's P1 next weekend? Uh, we'll Russell. see. We'll, no, no. <laughs> I don't think I put Russell higher than P3. Even though I think I would like to at some point, but it hasn't been convincing enough. Although I feel I may end up doing it before the end of the season. Uh, All right, but but before we talk about the upcoming Grand Prix, let's first go into quizzing the scores of P1 until P10 and fastest lap, and and check how many people got everything right, and let's make yeah. that into a into a match between the two of you i i don't recall sam who won last time when you played ajit sam oh no wait I, i'm the not last time around was i think me honestly uh i d i don't remember because uh typically i i just accept the fact that i'm going to lose uh because i'm usually <laughs> off so i wouldn't be surprised if it was ajit i think it was a if I'm not mistaken, it was a draw between Ajit and Megan when we were in Canada. That's correct. So Megan won. Yes, you just mean... Oh yeah, Megan, Megan did won. win. But, Megan but won. you were second. Yes. So that meant that you did beat Sam. So anyway, <laughs> Sam, time for revenge. <laughs> okay, let's I mean, go. I've already lost all my luck now. I've used my luck on the first two guesses. Well, looking at your scores from this weekend, it, it seems you still have a little bit of uh, uh, luck uh, kept there in the bottle so let's see uh, <laughs> if you can uh, if you can capitalize on that all right so uh verstappen finished on p1 and we had 494 people who played the game how many people predicted that um 451 okay i'm going to say four seven. okay i was actually gonna let ajit go, or sam go for but i'm we're going in the other order now so okay. 451 you said yeah Right. And I'm going to say 470. Okay, this is very interesting because um, last weekend we saw that there was hardly anybody that didn't go for a Verstappen win. We actually had 97% of all the people playing picking Verstappen on the first spot. But it seems like a lot of people did believe in that Monza curse because we had only 85% people pick Verstappen for this race on the first spot. So that means 419 people. Okay. So that means it's a point for Ajit. Nice, nice. So, Sam, do you remember who the people that didn't pick Verstappen last time out, who did they go with for winning that race? I believe it was Hamilton. Do you remember that? I believe it was Hamilton. Yeah, that was Hamilton. So from this weekend's race... Actually, there were four people that went with a Hamilton win. There were seven people that went with an Alonso win. There were 10 people that went with a, Land, uh, with a Lando Norris win. Perez was chosen 14 times. Sainz was chosen 15 times. And there were 25 people that went with a Leclerc win. Let's go! Ajit and his 24 friends. <laughs> <laughs> But that's quite surprising because that's quite a high amount of predictions that didn't have Verstappen on the first 
spot on the podium. That's that was quite surprising for me to see. Yeah, I mean, especially like after free practice, I I'm not too surprised either. All right, so let's move to second place, which was Perez and um, Sam. Now you go first. Hold on, sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear that in the background. My cat's trying to make a break into this room. I don't understand what's happening today. Everybody's so excited. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, my pick. I'm going to say Perez and P2, 180 people. 227. Ooh, you went quite high there, Ajit. It was 152 Ooh. people, so this one goes to Sam. Close, 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 close. Signs on P3, Ajit. 191. Going to say 220. Ajit, you said 191? Yeah. Well, it's still pretty far off, but it's it's closer because it was 72 people. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> then we have Leclerc on P4. Sam. Go with... It's interesting just how the numbers are shaking up right now. So I'm trying to go with 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 what you're giving already on P1, well, on P2 and P3. So I'm going to say 92. This one's a tough one. I'm probably going to say 97. You're probably going to say 97 or you are going to say 97? 97. 97. All right. Let's lock in. 97. Okay, that one goes to Sam. So it's 2-2 two, two because it was 69 people who had Leclerc there on P4. Um, okay. So we move on to the first Mercedes. That was Russell finishing on P5. Oh, wait, it's me again. Let's see. Russell, P5. I want to say 45. I'm going to go above you, and I'm going to say 63. Ajit got very, very close to the right answer. It was oh. 47 people. So oh. at that point... Goes to Ajit. So nice. what are we at right now, points wise? Three two. I think Ajit... Oh, okay, Ajit already knows. Got it. Yeah, three <laughs> for Ajit, two for you, Sam. So, um, Sam, time to get it back. You can go first with P six Hamilton. P six Hamilton. I am going to say fifty two. Thirty five. And Sam does get back to a draw because Oof. it's eighty one. So the fifty two is closer. P7 Albon, you already know that I had it correct. So how many other people had him there? Close. I think that, is it Ajit Michael? For, Ajit, oh, no, no Ajit it's Ajit. I'm getting so excited now. Let's go. <laughs> 16. Okay. I'm going to go with 35. Nice. Okay. That one goes to Sam because you're only five away. It was 30 people in total. Oh, okay. This is getting tight. We move to P8, Norris. Okay, it's my go. All right, P8, Norris. I'm going to say 48. 33. Sam, you got really close. You're only one away. It was 49. Ooh, nice. So it's five against three. Oh. In order to win it, you still gotta you gotta answer all Just the three more. next questions correctly. Uh, <laughs> well, not correctly, okay. but closer. Okay. So we move to Alonso, who finished on P9. And Ajit, you go first. Alonso, P9. 18. I'm going to say 23. Oh, close margins. 
that means that Sam's going to win it because uh, it was 45, so that point goes to Sam. So it's already six against three. But three, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a chance to at least, uh, yeah, make it a little bit closer. <laughs> uh, Bottas, who we even didn't really talk about too much. No, we didn't. And, and, the points again. And, and that also is just one quick thing to note is that, yeah, Bottas finished in the points this weekend. That was yeah, yeah. really, really good. Um, but anyways, back to... Back it's been to a while. It has been a while. The last time actually was in uh, was in Canada, that that he finished tenth, just overtaking. Um, was, was it Stroll that he overtook? No, no, no. Wait, <laughs> he who did he overtake on 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 the finish line? No, or no Stroll, Stroll overtook him. Overtook him end. on the finish line and finished yes. ninth and and yes. finished tenth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a photo finish, literally. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm guessing that's your score. So, Sam, how many or your, people? Your guess, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a Jeet's guess, zero. That was a Jeet's guess. Okay, okay, got it. Um, All right. I'm going to so, say two. Well, you guys have less faith in Bottas than some of the other people playing the game because there was actually 14 people who had him on P10. Nice. Oh, nice. Well, I'm nice. glad they did because it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, for a single point. But that still quite good. Um. So that one goes to Sam too, but uh, we'll still do the fastest lap, which was taken by Piastri, which means that Piastri didn't get a point, and anybody in the game getting it right also didn't get a point. But uh, I still want to know from you how many people did get that right. Okay, I'm just going to go. Uh, I'm going to say three people. I'm going to say nine. There was actually only one person who got that correct but Damn. like i said that doesn't get him a point in the game and ironically uh, this person uh aeon nakamura uh, also finished last this weekend scoring only 10 points so he did get the fastest lap right but uh yeah that that didn't you know even with that additional points he he would still have been last actually sure. right. I, mean, I didn't know if you wanted to respond well to congrats sam Oh, sorry. Say that again, Ajit, so that it can, because uh, it will have to oh. cut me no, out. You just want to hear the congratulations again. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on winning, Sam. It's the second time you're hearing it now. Well, thank you. Thank you. I will, t I will take it. And, uh, at least it's one thing that I'm winning <laughs> when it comes to my <laughs> predictions. So. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, thus far, you've, you've, I think thus far, you've only won this when you were the only one playing it. <laughs> Actually, last week I did draw with Maeve. Oh, yeah, so. you're right. You're right. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> Another stat that I looked up is um, we looked at how many people had Lawson in their top 10 during last weekend's race. And um, it was 45 people, which was 9% of all people. And uh, this weekend, um, how many people do you think put Lawson in their, in their first 10 places? 50? 50. Hold on. Hold on. Did you say 50, five, zero? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't going to go with that. I was going to go with 22. Yeah, it did go down quite a bit. Actually, 22 is pretty close. It was 19 people. There nice. was two people who had them on P8, two people on P9, and 15 people on P10. So, yeah, only 4% of all people playing. So that went down by a little bit. I'm way too optimistic. Um, are we going to put Lawson on our top 10 in Singapore? <laughs> no. Uh, Not me. Well, I'm going to say likely no. It is a physically grueling race. 
typically. So I think because he hasn't really had that much experience in the car, uh, it may work against him in giving him a, a stronger opportunity to finish in the 10th, in, in, within the, the top 10. So I'm going to say no. <laughs> but you never know what happens, right? Are you going to do anything else exciting for your picks for next week? Or, but actually, it's not next week. It's in two weeks. So let's get that in straight two weeks, first. Yes. But um, <laughs> are you uh, considering to do anything reckless? I am. Are you referring to me or Ajit? Because Ajit normally normally makes With his Ajit, picks. With Ajit, I was uh, assuming <laughs> already he was going to. So I was asking you. But, uh, <laughs> me. Uh, well, I would like to see what happens leading into the weekend. Uh, if we're going to see maybe any... Um, if there's going to be any strong likelihood for uh, grid penalties because of maybe some changes to cars. Uh, we, I, I like to see the practice to, to get a better idea of where everybody stands so i don't know maybe i'll be a little reckless but i I think at this point why not (laughs) if it gives me a shot of trying to move up but we'll we'll see i think one thing's for certain i will probably there's a strong likelihood that Verstappen's going to be my number one so anything after that is to be determined what about you anton what are you thinking no well i don't know i'm gonna I'm going to think about it for a while, tell anybody. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think we lead that I'm, up, I'm probably huh? <laughs> going to go with another Red Bull 1 2. I mean, I, yeah, at this point, I find it difficult to predict anything other than that. But um, I, I hope it turns out different. So I hope I'm, I'm getting very few points. I hope everybody's going to score very, very few points uh, next race, which would mean that uh, we get some surprising uh, outcomes because, well, I mean, we've seen a couple of things over the past few weeks that perhaps weren't like, uh, you know, we've seen Gasly on the podium. That was, um, I, I think, not expected at all. Um, I would like to see more of these things happening. Um, I would like to see that this was just not a one-off day for Ferrari, but I hope that they actually can challenge a little bit more in the upcoming races. Although I think with the directions that they have taken with that car, um, although last year we would say that tracks that had a lot of tight and twisty turns were good tracks for Ferrari, it seems that actually this year it's the other way around. So I fear for them in Singapore. Um, it's a very different track from what we've seen at Monza. Um, but um, yeah, perhaps again, another good weekend for McLaren would be exciting. And um, I would also like Aston Martin to be um, showing a little bit more of their uh, positive spirit like they did in the Netherlands. In the end, I can go past all the teams, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just hope for an exciting race, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, we know that uh, overtaking is not very easy at Singapore, which um, I don't know. It can play uh, it can play in some teams' favor, but um, yeah, let's see. I'm excited about it, though. A lot of emphasis is going to be put into the qualifying, so yep. maybe we'll see another strong result for Albon. Uh, because they, like we've gone over, they typically do very well during qualifying. So you never know. I think that would be a big question mark. See where he is at this point. Uh, I think I already in two have. weeks. So that that should be an interesting. I think I already forward. have. No, no, no. Like Sorry? I was gonna say, I think I already have my top three for what that race. And no, it does not include a Ferrari. Imagine. Well, 
Well, you can make your prediction now, and then uh, when we get closer towards the weekend, you can review it yeah. if you're still happy with it. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm going for another surprise. Surprise, surprise.